Hello, everyone. Welcome to We Don't Know That, a podcast talking about things we clearly know nothing about. This is Chris, one of your hosts. This is Azichi, another one of your hosts. And Irv, the last host. Nice, boys. All right. So, <laughs> so I guess without further ado, we'll just jump into a topic that's been extremely relevant the past couple of weeks or so. Everyone's been talking about it. And, you know, we... It needs no further introduction. Basically, Avatar on Netflix has has been super hot, and you know, there's no way we we can't talk about it. <laughs> uh, you guys, you guys aren't so in my notes, you. we actually had Black Lives Matter. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> no. no, that's the yeah. joke. bro. That's the joke. Oh, that was my joke. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. You guys are. Hey, no, 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 no! It's one take, one take. We don't do, we don't do other things. Okay, anyway, we're doing one take. Oh. Now, keep it. Don't, don't stop the recording. Okay. So, yeah. so our real first topic is obviously <laughs> the Black Lives Matter protests and just the protests of police um, brutality Correct. in general. Okay, just looks like I did that purposely as a joke because I, I expected you guys to uh, call oh, me out on that. Man, oh man, oh man, Chris. <laughs> the obviously the most relevant topic right now. It's on all forms of media, whether it be social media, um, mainstream news. It's the Black Lives Matter movement. You know the the ending of police brutality, systemic racism in this country, and there's probably not as a single source of media that hasn't already touched upon this topic. So we're just kind of hoping to give and shed a light about our perspectives, um, you know, being new college grads and, um, you know, being young professionals in this world. Um, <laughs> I, I think it, it's, we could shed some, some light into the situation, just kind of give our, our view on the whole thing. So I guess with that being said, um, I guess how do you guys feel about everything that's been happening? Like, what are some common misconceptions you guys see about you know Black Lives Matter as a movement, as um, a generational call for you know things like systemic racism to end? Um, I don't want to keep this into like a I don't want to turn this into like a formal interview format, yeah. but yeah, how do you guys feel? So I think like without getting too echo chambery, I think we all just already agree on that these um, protests are obviously justified, yada, yada, yeah, yada. If yeah, if you're a, uh, you know, sensible person with emotions and, you know, any sense of logic, you can easily identify that Black people have been suppressed in this country for, you know, since its conception, so. And I I'm guess, like, where the issue starts is to, um, I think, is when a movement like Black Lives Matter gets politicized. Correct. To say that it's like part of the democratic uh, the democratic agenda, or that has been adopted by Democrats and is used to to distract, you know, that George Soros funding it. Yeah, like stuff like that. I think is um, <laughs> something like that's very, you know, distracting what the actual cause is. And I think people in the cause aren't really as organized as people think, I think it's just people that are very passionate about doing something. That about, have no real, yeah. Yeah, like, um, I mean, I guess that just comes from more from the other side of the spectrum. Like, say, it's just, it's just not as political as people think. I think it's a pretty simple thing to figure out. And I don't like that it's politicized. Um, I just feel like, both sides do it. Like they say, oh, you know, see, we're Democrats. We side with, with Black Lives Matter. We're Republicans. We say Black Lives Matter is used to get Black people's votes or whatever. I mean, at this point in time, what it, we're in 2020. We've been, you know, especially Black teens, we've been exposed to, you know, seeing this growing up. We, we've seen, like, people that look like us get, you know, killed for little to no reason. So I think that plays a huge part of why this generation goes so hard for, you know, the movement and the cause. Cause you know, that's, that could be any one of us, you know, just going out on the street or just trying to, you know, have a normal day. You never know what could happen. Um, if you're not choosing to not be aware uh, to the cause at this point, you're just not, you're just ignorant. Like at that point. 
Uh, like that's such a great point point. because like we're seeing stuff like this happen there's literally video evidence um i guess with george floyd specifically um correct that's if you just look at the video footage like raw video footage you literally see a man's life be taken away in a matter of eight eight or nine minutes you know that's roughly the the right amount of time that everything unfolded and have basically led to this like revolution across not only the like continental US but across the world that it's i it's kind of inspiring to see how banded together the world is on an issue like this but at the same time you, you have to ask yourself like why has it taken this long because like George Floyd is not the first person for this to happen to um be a victim of this institutional racism the systemic ra- racism in this country or even this this world as a whole it's it's really sad to see and i mean again not to be echo chambery like irv said there's not much we can really shed on the subject without it already being covered and you know other various forms of media but it's it's just surprising and honestly disgusting to to see the point it's gotten to um in terms of how long it's taken to really address this issue and for there to to be reasonable and actionable change like through these protests or you know whatever's been i guess said on like social media whatever like that so i think um something that's important to talk about is um how people are protesting yes so Caring about black lives isn't something that's new. It's just like a new term that, like a new organization, I guess, that just came out. Uh, what was it like, 2015 or something, right? Yeah, I think 2014 right. was when the movement came out, like as a movement, quote unquote. But yeah, go on, or like so, yeah. So like, Black Lives Matters isn't something that's like a new discovery for people like you know see that girl's tweet or like people's tweets saying like what did you guys care about before black lives matter how it's like a political agenda um people definitely cared about these these uh situations beforehand so to those people that have already cared um something that i think i've seen a lot is being critical of those new people that are shifting to um getting to know what the movement is about and, you know, um, being more socially aware because like you see, you see so many more people at these, at these uh, protests. Like it's, it's literally the 50 States had a, had a protest at one point, yeah. all 50. So it's obviously incredible. there's new people to the protest and there's in that there's new people that don't know how to protest. Right. Right. So I think a big popular thing was that whole black, black square thing, you know, um, I think a lot of people meant good by it. I think a lot of people just didn't know that it really was counterproductive. But I also saw a lot of people that performative. have been highly yeah. performative. performative. Yeah, so but I, I see like a lot of people being highly critical of those who did the black square thing. But you know, when you talk to the people that did it, it wasn't necessarily them like trying to be performative. It's just, you know, people just don't know why it's performative or why it's not helpful Irv, could you explain what like you mean by performative like i guess when i first heard that term a couple days ago and i I also heard about collective activism like i didn't really know what those specific terms meant and i feel like that might be the case for a lot of people who may be participating in like social media challenges like black square and not realizing what they're doing in some ways is not really contributing to um, you know, the cause as a whole. And I, I don't mm-hmm. think, again, we should downplay what they're doing. They're, they're trying yeah. to actively learn. But if, yeah. do you want to explain like what the difference between like being performative activists versus like a collective activist is? So I think performative, act, performative activism to me is just like, you just do like one thing that's just like not really adding any value to the cause. You just, you do it and then you kind of just like stop <clears> there. And then they say, oh, look, I contributed. And then that's all I got to do. You know, they don't really like. Yeah. So um, they can oh, feel better about themselves. Yeah. Like, um, so for instance, the black square thing, I feel like that probably wasn't the best description of it. But again, we don't know that. <laughs> um, I feel like 
people meant good, a lot of people meant good. There's probably a lot of people that just wanted to follow the trend, but I think it was spreading awareness or that's what people were trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I guess what I mean to say is that like, you know, um, for me, for a long time, I've been like, not to sound like I'm bragging, but like been aware of social just inequality since I was a kid. Like that was something my parents talked to me about, about having to deal with, you know, people are going to look at you different. People are going to talk to you or about you different because, you know, you're a black kid and like, uh, um, right. I mean, it's a diverse place, but you're going to hear things. I mean, every black family, I don't know if this is true for every person of color but for definitely for black families they definitely sit down and have the talk with you about you know how to go about your day how to interact with other people that you know not necessarily look like you how to deal with the police like it's all this is all conversations that are being had in black households today uh to this day like even during all this uh protesting so it's very important to you know just remember what types of family backgrounds people have or yeah. you know, how they, what values they're instilled as in, at, in a young age. Yeah. So, yeah. So my reason of saying that is like, so this might be a common thing amongst, you know, people that have been activists or known of social inequalities and know how to fight such things to not be critical of those that are genuinely trying to help, you know, because like they might have been just like the middle ground people that didn't really, they weren't really, um, they weren't racist, but they were definitely like apathetic to the cause. So right, when yeah. people try to do good, like people that generally try to do good, and then you come at them saying like, yo, this is incredibly stupid. Like, why are you doing this? Like, that makes people like, oh, well, I don't know. I, I just saw other people doing this. That's what I'm going to do. I think instead, um, yeah. what I see, pe- what a good thing that I saw people do was reach out and say, hey, this is good. It's kind of productive for these reasons. Here's ways that you could really help petitions. And, like the way I see it there, at least for like that, type of challenge or like form of social awareness there are two kinds of groups that people fall into so one is yeah the performative activists who simply do it just for the clout chasing and they do it because they don't want to be left out there's actually um, a video that nathan zed released recently basically saying that people are getting fomo from black lives matter and that's why a lot of these like individual people or even companies are coming out saying, uh, you know, we support Black Lives Matter. Like, and in a lot of those cases, it's it's really just lip service, and they're just saying it because everyone else is doing it. They don't genuinely mean it. Um, so that that's one bucket in terms of people for um, like a social media challenge, like the Black Square challenge. Um, again, it's like a it's a social media challenge that was. Um, meant to show solidarity you know you change your profile picture or post a picture on instagram or twitter of just a black square and you know people on social media probably knows what that means um so the other bucket i see is like what you were saying irv people who are genuinely trying to understand the movement and they're doing what they can um and then the people who are coming in and being hypercritical of that um that latter group like I mentioned, those who are genuinely trying to support in any way they can and um, trying to learn how they can support to the movement or just support Black lives in general. I think the right approach to that instead of, you know, directly attacking them, saying you're not you're not contributing, you're not helping in any way by by doing this. You could say, you know, utilizing um, you know, the, the importance of this social injustice, this racial injustice. Um, around the world in the country but there are other ways to contribute it contribute to the movement as a whole you can contribute to um, you know nonprofit organizations dedicated to um, you know legal defense funds for like the NAACP um, the ACLU donating to the small businesses that have been looted and rioted um, taken advantage of you know things like that and just again spreading that awareness and you know, not necessarily just not gatekeeping any kind of support. Yeah. That's that's my biggest thing. We're, and this we're is not to push just, away people. Yeah, this isn't a contest to see who cares the most. You know, right? And it shouldn't be treated as that. Like this is actual human beings who have been, you know, disenfranchised since forever. Like, you know. 
And you're, yeah, and it doesn't make you a better person for like quote unquote caring more or like doing something yeah. over. And I think that's important you know? to, to make a distinction in is like this is it's not it's not us saying that you should be thankful to those that are trying to help and like they shouldn't feel um inclined to just like deny the movement because someone yelled at them. Like then that just shows that like it was kind of superficial to begin with. Like you should understand I think people should outside of the movement, you know, should understand that um a lot of these acts are you know kind of out of anger like the um i guess we're kind of segueing into different things but like so like rioting and the vandalism and stuff like it's it's just i mean of course it's bad and i'll, I'll just go off like what martin luther king said and how like um the riots should be just as scrutinized as the um um innocent people killing like uh the police brutality so like kind of losing my uh, train of thought but uh so you know like just it, it makes sense yeah you understand like mm -hmm. people are angry people do bad things when you're angry no one on earth can ever say they haven't done anything they regret while they're angry that's correct there, there are people that are looting that are going to take advantage of the chaos and loot yeah that's are, that's you know granted you know that's like it's a big movement it's kind of protected yeah and that's expected um, out of any... it's it's expected any type of you know major civil event people are going to be upset and people are right. going to riot and loot like that is I, I I think even like more generally there are always going to be bad people and people who try to take advantage of a situation regardless of what like the movement is and it just so happens that you know the rioting and looting for Black Lives Movement or Black Lives Matter um, I guess people on the opposite end of that like to associate the rioting with like that racial issue specifically even though this would happen in any kind of movement like just take at take a look at any super bowl wins and take a exactly. look at the home cities of those like super bowl teams and people are real quiet about those riots people don't say sports. anything about those people don't even mention those when well i would i would argue riots. that they they even like glorify it after a certain point yeah, because severe, you know, extreme dedication to your team or whatever. You know? Right, because it's not an issue as, again, like, I feel horrible saying this, but, like, it's not an issue as polarizing as racism. And the fact that I have to say that it is as polarizing as it is, is, is really a shame. Like, because it's only related, it's related to, you know, your favorite sports team winning. Because. And it can yeah. be, like, fixed. Like, I think I think that just ties into the fact that no one wants to. We think, you know, I'm not like people think that the that racism like is just gonna, you know, magically we're not supposed to talk about it anymore. Like it's it's taboo. Like no one wants to be called a racist in the days, and it's just like you do overtly racist things. How else are people going to, you know, characterize those activities and behaviors? Like what would we're gonna call you a racist if you're doing, you know, obviously racist things. And even if you have like sort sort of microaggressions, people are going to look at you some type of way because, you know, it's 2020. No one should really be trying to, you know, look at others like that. And again, like Irv said, an issue like racism is it's extremely politicized. Yeah. Like it, it really makes no sense in my head. And we don't want to get into the politics of this, but the main point we're trying to get across. Um, and I think should really get through everyone's head, regardless of where they lie on the political spectrum, is that this is not a political issue. Like this, this is just a human rights issue. And if you don't understand at this point, if you're trying to deflect and you know reason against any support of ending systemic racism, um, ending Bruce, uh, police brutality against black people. You know, you know, there's only so much we can do to to try and change your views. And let's let's talk about some um, popular deflecting points. I think that you know most people already know some. The popular yes. one, uh, all lives matter. All lives matter. Yes. <laughs> let's get into that. Uh, let's. Well, we don't have to get too deep into it because it's kind of like an obvious deflecting point. Is because like it's the the first thing you could tell why it's deflecting is that it's like a direct. Um, derivative of what even just the vernacular of the name black lives matter like you're saying oh sh 
my computer. <laughs> You're saying all lives matter in the same way as Black Lives Matter. So I mean, it's just it's a cause that was created to counter Black Lives Matter. Right. Yes, it's, it's know, a counter narrative. It doesn't have any backing because you it wasn't said before until Black Lives Matter existed. So it's a direct counter. Um, I think the second one would be that I hate and Blue I've Lives seen. Matter? Oh, that's. I'm not even like blue eyes aren't isn't a thing. Like you're a cop. Yeah, exactly. It's a job. Like, you, I mean, that's, uh, that was that was just one that I was you know thinking about that had also roots to you know all lives matter. That you know, yeah, this idea that you know that our police force are you know the people that are sworn to protect us and everything that that they are you know human beings at the end of the day and that they you know have families or whatever yada whatever the fuck they say about that agenda. But regardless of that, at the end of the day whatever type of police officer you are, you take that badge off at the end of the day and black people can unfortunately not change who they are. So yeah, um, we, a, we live in the reality that we are given as black people. That is Again, it's it's a counter to the current Black Lives Matter movement. Like, All yeah, Lives Matter is a direct response to when BLM first came up in like 2014, 2015. To discredit again, the movement. Yeah, exactly. And then Blue Lives, again, um, you know, we're we're not saying that there aren't individually good cops, but you know, yeah, let's, let's get into that. ACAB, let's get know, into that. Are bastards, that kind of movie. Uh, that is it. Say the second thing that like oh yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, is, is um yeah sorry is a uh, black the black on black crime. Mm. Oh, that's another one. I've seen like even just like. I it's mean, their favorite one. <laughs> like people, like the other side says it. Even black, other black people say it that are even within um, Black Lives Matter. So let's talk I'm, about. I'm gonna, I'm gonna blow the audience's mind and say that black on black crime does not exist. It isn't really just crime. Literally, it's not black people killing black people. It is crime. Black. It's just crime that happens in all, in all um, communities. And if you want to sit down. And talk about ways that we could talk and get rid of crime in the black community. Then I'm glad to have that. But what you're doing is just def- trying to deflect and say, "Well, black on black crime." It's kind of like you're saying, "Like, well, black people kill each other. Why can't cops?" That's what it sounds. That's what it comes off as. Okay, if, okay. If cops kill more white people than black people, why aren't you upset? Yeah, <laughs> aren't like, you upset about it. Why aren't you upset? Right, killing is still happening. Like, <laughs> yeah, like. I mean, it's just it's just a ridiculous point. I mean, even then, even when you bring it up, like, how could you weren't talking about crime in the black community before this, before people got vocal about it or at all? And there's like, a multitude of organizations that do work in those types of neighborhoods, but they don't get politicized with or, or uh, rather, uh, what's the word? Media attention from, you know, I would media. say typically people that use this um term is just kind of like just people that don't really like live in these communities or deal with people that live or work or you know even me go to church in these communities like every everyone of a community are, are just like hardworking people like people are just trying to get by like in any community really um don't know where i'm going with that sorry <laughs> um that's the first one one take Drake. let's um, talk about police yeah. Oh, a big thing right now. I, yeah, so the whole defund the police or totally just banning the police. What are Correct. your guys' thoughts on Correct. partial defunding, half defunding, total defunding, and disbanding? Well, I think before we talk about that, we have to talk about the reasons why that people feel this way. People feel as if, you know, it's not shown as much in the media these days or you know, on either side on CNN or on a. Well, I think CNN's recently started showing it, but I don't know. Fox for sure is definitely not going to show you this, this police brutality on innocent protesters, you know, and that just goes back to the thing where, you know, that we have this, the acronym, you know, all cops are bad or all cops are bastards does not necessarily mean that the individual cop himself is bad, but, or has, you know, negative values. Of course, they want to serve. They're here to serve the community and serve, you know, as other people say. and do as they say. Yes, correct. As they say, but at the end of the day, their service to the, these communities is actually a form of, you know, benefiting white supremacy through through the justice system because it's just a form, another form of systemic racism. I think systemic racism has three major key forms at how it manifests in 
American society. I would be one, the justice system for killing black men, two, the medical system killing black women, and then three, the real estate system, which is redlining black families, which might might ultimately uh, you know affect their lives. So these are things that people have to start talking about when they really want to have a discussion about you know racism and all the, its roots in this country. And also to add, like, just to get this out of the air too, is like um, other minorities that feel like they're oppressed too, that might say, well, why isn't anyone talking about my racist struggles? Like, yeah, be vocal about it. We're not, again, Black Lives Matter isn't just only black, only talk, isn't saying your other lives or other ways of facing racism don't matter, you know? Like, speak on it, but don't try to counter our movement because... I, I mean, not our movement. This should be everybody's movement. But, like, you know, speak up I, when you yeah. want to speak up. Don't try to blame other minorities for your own oppression. Because we're all being... Because it's all... We all have our struggles. Right. Um, Correct. And we all have different ways of dealing with it. We all have different ways of being vocal about it. We're not saying only Black Lives Matter, obviously. Not saying no. that only um, John Boyega put it best. Like, of course, there's other forms of racism. That's not what we're saying. We're saying that white racism on black people right now is causing black deaths. Yes, and I mean, that's that's so important because as a non-black person of color, I don't share the same sentiment that you guys have, or sentiment isn't the right word, but I guess I don't have to live my life daily in fear and have the worry of being unlawfully or you know, for no reason being pulled over at a stoplight or, uh, you know, maybe going a mile over the speed limit and, you know, fearing for my life, you know, that's not necessarily always the case for um, black people who have these types of encounters. But I know that's especially true for <clears throat> non-black people of color, um, like myself specifically. You know, I can't, again, I can't speak on behalf of all non-black POCs, but from my experience specifically, I know and I understand that I will never know truly what you guys as like persons of color being black, um, what, like the, the fears you guys have to live through and you know, having that sit down conversation with your families um, about the struggles and things you have to worry about. That's something I've never really had to um, never had to deal with. And it's it's no, really, really yes. humbling. That's, so I think, like, so, um, sorry, I just got to get this out because I'm, I'm about to forget. <laughs> um, I think that, like, also, I think another misconception is that um, that police killing black men or whatever, or, or black people, is the only issue. The issue with George, the whole George Floyd thing is that the cops were called in the first place, that they thought he was writing a bad check. That's where it starts. It starts at those stereotypes. It start, starts at those stereotypes that black people are, um, you know, violent or whatever, or, or lazy, or those negative stereotypes that black people have are damaging because that leads into a negative uh, view of black people that would get people to call the police on them and then get that yes. ra that racial reaction and then Amy Cooper won't go to won't go to jail. Yeah, Amy Cooper calling him for. For asking him to put his dog on the leash and like straight up lying, like, saying yeah. that like I'm, I'm I'm gonna say a black African American man. Like she it, knew exactly what she was doing when she said that. She yeah, knew exactly so, what she was doing. So it's not just that; it's the whole aspect of it. And people that complain about like, well, well, people say my race doesn't cook good with seasonings. I I don't have seasonings <laughs> in my food. Man, let me tell you, <laughs> I wish i pray that the negative stereotypes on me that we could switch instantly <laughs> i wish we could i wish people just thought um black people didn't cook with good seasoning yeah you 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 really can't compare the. Uh, i wish that was it like i wish that like i mean uh, everyone is a uh experiences racism this is not at the same level you know like yeah. systemic <laughs> racism is a whole nother beast i mean he could have like 22 podcasts about the different ways it, and I, I think that chris talked on a, an interesting point about you know how the you know how his family or how he you know views things might be completely different than ours and i've seen a few people recently talking about 
we if we should start distinguishing or maybe having the conversation more of distinguishing black people from people of color even despite the fact that obviously black people are people of color mm-hmm. the you know experiences of a black man or a black woman or a black trans person you know these experiences are ultimately different than any anything anyone has ever you know will it or or has ever experienced in their life you know we we need to start having those conversations about those types of distinctions because other people really these are like issues that are unique to black people um so what do you what do you guys think about that I, i've just seen a few people here and there talking about the, that distinction if we should make a distinction or you know if we need to you know talk about that more what are you guys just takes on these uh, i'm not well, i think it's sure. unfortunate that it has come to that distinction just because you know as a whole the system ha- there's there's this top-down system that's always been i don't want to say always but for as long as we remember um you know black people have always been at the butt end of it and it's because we we make that distinction just because you guys do have that that butt end if that makes sense and it again that this is a whole top down system that's kind of led it to to be this way and of course i there there shouldn't be that distinction in the first place but you know just figuring out the like necessary processes or i guess I'm I'm just kind of rambling at this point, but I, uh, I don't think in general that's cool. that distinction should be made. But it I think we have to make that distinction now because there is such a clear cut difference in terms of how black people are treated and other non-black POCs. So I think for now that distinction makes sense because there are uh, there are different needs for both those like distinctive groups. But you know, obviously in the long term, in a perfect world utopia um you know racism is abolished but again that's like a greater issue but i i think for now that's that's the only way to to look at it and to really move towards the right direction and i think i could add that like another thing is like um i wouldn't really care i don't really care that individuals are racist because i could just avoid that like once i hear someone say something that i think is racist or like that I think their values are primarily racist values, even if Irv. Irv? <laughs> Did we lose you, man? Irv? Your audio might have cut out. Um, we might have lost Irv, but he's had some some good perspective. But um, I guess another point that we kind of um went off the branch about uh just was the idea of gatekeeping and right being critical of people who are trying to support and i think another point i wanted to bring up there was you know i've heard the narrative or i guess like the the idea that the only way to really support this movement specifically is Mm -hmm. going out and protesting which i don't necessarily agree with i think there are plenty of other ways to to help contribute and you know make the the right steps towards ending systemic racism and um you know having actionable steps towards that but like, what do you what do you think about zichi about that uh argument point i guess well i think you know um going back to the gatekeeping point you know there's a clear i think there's a clear divide on who we can we can easily identify who cares and who doesn't just you know based off of the people that we know personally like we know who we interacted with who's made those jokes about you know my questions like people and we know who you know who's willing to take action and you know stand up for somebody um we we grew up with these people so we we know these people in our communities that are really about it and really not about it like simply that's that's what it, it is what it is um people you know anytime a tragedy happens there's always going to be cloud chasers there's always going to be people that you know want to get those quick ig flicks for it but you know that's that's what you know life is um but there are people who genuinely are allies to the cause and they you know they show that and they make that themselves heard every day um shout out to those people continue to do what you're doing because you know we we can't we can't get you know enough of that but do you agree with the i guess the argument that the biggest way to contribute is through protein and 
and there's nothing else that's more important than uh, that. Right? I would say money. Money is definitely. I mean, if you can't protest, you donate is huge. I mean, like um, even even if you donate like a dollar or anything or any type of you know you know type of you know promotion of it of it or even signing a petition, just any way, any form of you showing support to the movement. Perfect. Yeah, that's, that's um, thing. I, or Irv, you can chime in. Thanks for joining us again. I sorry, yeah. I forget. I don't remember what I was. I started talking about. So I uh, guess we dialed it back a little bit and went back to the idea of gatekeeping. And I asked uh, what he thought about people who say that protesting is the most important thing we can do right now. And if you're not protesting, you're not you're not doing enough. I've heard that that point of view a couple of times just interacting through a few people that I've like had one-on-one -on -one conversations with. And just the, that's just the point of view I've seen across like social media that I have, which is not, not too much, but it is like a point that I, that I see some people um, backing. So, so I think right now the protests are just, you know, they're dangerous for a couple of reasons. Um, the whole pandemic going on right now, like you're really putting yourself at risk in, in large crowds. And uh, I mean, this is a important cause. So um, you may weigh those options and you say like, maybe you don't want to expose your risk. You don't want to expose yourself to the risk of getting COVID because you have people at home that maybe get, you don't want to get sick. You don't want to get sick. Um, that's fair, a real fair reason to like not want to protest. Um, still again, as he just said, you can support in different ways. Another thing is those po like police are is on film police as a whole like and a whole but a lot of police are attacking peaceful protesters. Correct. Um, the the press is getting attacked. Old men are getting attacked. It's, it's Black, like it's white, anybody. It's on peaceful any protester that is going against the system that's going in right now. You know. Um, that sort of goes back to our point, you know, of, you know, all cops are, uh, you know, inherently bad because at the end of the day, these cops, all of these cops, I have not seen one police officer try to intervene when a tear gas canister is unleashed on peaceful protesters. I've not seen one cop try to intervene when protesters are beat with steel batons. I've not seen one police officer try to intervene when innocent protesters are arrested. And obviously that goes back back to the system obviously that might not be their character as a person but the system that they serve in which they serve is you know and holding them to those to uplift white supremacy in, in that indirect sense and you know um there's other ways to support uh just equality in general like um my aunt texted me after i told her i went protesting like she was scared like she was scared for my life going out there scared of for my health um but she just said like you know you're going the field that I'm going into, like, I'm not going to just say it right now because I don't think this was business. <laughs> um, if you know me, you know. Uh, you know, when you, a different way to help the system, the, your people or anyone um, underrepresented is to work your way up, you know, get into those diversity boards, get those, get more black, Asian, uh, black, Hispanic, underrepresented. Uh, minorities into the field that you're going to work in you could exactly. do that you could you could go volunteer at different places you know a protest is important if you want if you feel like you should you can protest and go protest if you feel like you can't you don't have to not everyone has to be a warrior on the front lines that is like if you put like in war you don't put your your strategists on the front lines you don't put your medics on the front lines you put the warriors on the front lines not everyone can be a warrior and I applaud you for being brave. Um, you know, I went to protests and, you know, I applaud you for being brave, but don't, um, it doesn't mean the people that choose not to aren't being brave. Cause they're, you know, a lot of people still speak out. A lot of people still sort of so support, you know, you should be supportive of that inherently. And it really is like a long term solution or we, we have to play it in the sense that this issue, the issue of, institutional systemic racism in this country that's been built up for hundreds of years it's not going to be solved simply because of these protests like there have been actionable results because of what has been happening in terms of protests across all major cities and those are definitely steps in the right direction but 
Irv brought up a bunch of great points. Like what you you do in the long term, being in, involved in these like diversity boards or you know contributing back to your local community, voting. You know that, in my opinion, that's one of the simplest yet most effective ways you can affect actionable change within like your local community or just electing leaders on a state and federal level. Um, you know, doing your research on who's actually running in your local community, who's going to be representing your, um, like, councilmen will be elected in your local elections. Like, what do they stand for? What the, What's their platform? And things like that are going to directly affect, you know, things like police funding. Um, you know, who's chosen as uh, chief of police? And I don't think enough people understand that importance. And I agree that, you know, protesting and going out on the front lines, you know, comparing it to war, you know, there, what people are doing and going out there is not, it's extremely important. But I think there are a bunch of other things that are also equally as important, especially when you think about this as a, as a long game. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I hope not. But I see this becoming like a trend type of thing. And once the protests are all done and stuff, a lot of people that were at these protests or a lot of people that were showing support just kind of disappear when it comes back to supporting, you know, underrepresented communities. Um, I guess we're still talking about, um, you know, black lives in general. Like, I'm, I'm glad. I'm grateful that it's getting more attention. I'm grateful that people are, more people are out than usual. But let's, you know, continue that support going forward. You know, right. let's not just stop. Um, right. I think um, a personal experience I want to share is uh, one of the reasons why, like, I'm probably not going to go out to protest anymore. Just kind of deals with me not wanting the anxiety I feel seeing certain things. Um, so just like I recently I had to delete um, all my social media. Right. Um, and it's not because I'm tired of hearing about race things. It's like I'm just tired of having to deal with it and see other people like me having to deal with it. Like it got to the point where like I couldn't like I just felt unhealthy. Like I, I felt like I was choking on something that I could, but it was nothing that I was choking on. So it was just like it was just putting me. I mean, that just speaks to my privilege that I could just delete, delete it and then like not not totally ignore it, but like to be able to. um you know, um, delete my social media and be able to avoid it that way. Um, you know, it did bring me anxiety and it's something that might be true to other, um, black people or anybody. Like if it bring, if it, if it's putting you in a bad mindset, you know, don't, don't put yourself out there in danger. Don't, you know, rather have a sane person supporting in different ways and having to go out there and losing your mind or something like no one wants to be a martyr, you know, it's right. honorable, but you don't have to be. And it, no one's going to blame you if you don't want to. Right. That's another good point about deleting social media just because of how anxiety-inducing it can be. And after a certain point, this <laughs> this might not be the right way to put it, but you just you kind of get the idea. Yeah. I think that, yeah. I like the idea is that, you know, it's it's not meant to be like another news story that you just kind of get sick of like that. That's right. That completely defeats the purpose of what this movement is trying to accomplish. You know, I've, um, I don't know. It, it just feels like there's, there's people who just, they're sick of the same, uh, specifically to BLM. Um, but that's, just, that's not the right mindset. Like the reason it's being, um, you know, so emphasized in mainstream media, and this might be another argument from, you know, people from a certain side, um, the fact that it's like a quote-unquote liberal agenda, but it is such an important issue that does need to be <clears throat> addressed. And I think you, you, you kind of become complacent in it if you choose to ignore it. Like the, the issue is there and it's not going to go away. And like you guys have been saying throughout the podcast, um, you guys can't just simply choose to not be black. Like this issue yeah, is right. not going away for you guys, you know, anytime um, soon. Hopefully it does. But going you know, that's kind of the idea. 
going back to what you said about um going back to Herb's point of you know people you know maybe falling off of the movement as it as time progresses i think it's important to keep it moving especially in times like this where you know trump's presidency is you know this he's up for potential re-election if you know if it goes the way some people want it to go and that's not you know something that would benefit our communities as well yes i know that joe biden is not much better but you know that's what we you know like you all got to make a choice um and i think that the movement right now the, the awareness that it's bringing to people you know to these struggles that an african-american deals with every single day i think that's going to be you know helpful in the long run uh for our you know society you know politically economically socially i just think that this is you know going to benefit us and I, I, uh, not to get too far tangential, I think that just speaks to the, how like messed up the system is that like we're both, both of our, um, candidates just aren't, you know, that great. I'm not going to start accusing people like of, yeah. yeah, like it's a bad situation. They're kind of, it's, it's just, it, it, we're not going to get into that. <laughs> um, so I think we, we covered a lot of like the general ideas and, I guess, like issues around the Black Lives Matter, like police brutality movement. But I know Irv, there's there's like a specific current situation, I guess, that happened today, like in Congress. Um, I think you want to. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Nancy Pelosi. And it looks like a, I don't know who the other people are. I guess I'm kind of, you know, I should probably know who they are. Um, <laughs> kneeling with the, uh, I don't think it's a problem. The, yeah, the Kentu cloth. I'm sorry if I don't, I don't know if I didn't say yeah. that right. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, that mean, not totally knowing what it was just speaks to it itself is like, like, don't, uh, it's just this is the form. most performative thing. The most, like, <laughs> I don't want to use the term virtual virtue signaling because I see like a lot of, you know, conservatives use that, but it just seems so like, it's it's all, it's all like it's all, you know theatrics. It's like, all, did you wear that because, like, did you think that's what black people is? Wear? It, is it kind of the idea of like, <laughs> did we ask for this? Like, you got to like yeah, it's like did, people are like, expecting actual legislation and not come out of this, and they're over here like you're you know, doing the whole like nailing like to a king. It, it, well, like people, like, it's I like we're not coming off hypocritical because i know earlier we we talked about you know oh yeah we are, i guess of um <laughs> anyone who just like who has like positive intentions but they have the and ability I, to change the system is about certain issues like the the I, difference is they can bring real policy and legislation to right them. i think i don't think we're hypocritical is because like the people that are that would do it for cloud cloud chasing reasons don't really have the i guess they do have the power to big change but these people that are doing this kneeling with the with the kentu cloths definitely say is that like definitely have the power some to people change might this. think we're coming yeah. up as hypocritical yeah. but this i guess this occurrence specifically nah. it, it's it's a sense of um you know being a little tone deaf to yeah, yeah. Actually, it's like yeah, read the room. It's like <laughs> increase. It's like Joe Biden saying, like, if you can't figure out between me and Trump, then you're not black. It's like, I mean, like, like if you can't, if you if you're voting for Trump and you're black, I mean, you're kind of kind of like, Uncle Tom. I feel like scratching your head, but it's like soul. Joe Biden. Don't don't tell people. Like, come on, dude. Like. That's it. Just comes off as yeah, what you said, tone deaf. Like, don't come out. Don't be saying like, "Who's really? you're black." And I think that's something that people need to realize. Like, you, people are black because they're black. Not for any, not for any action they take. Yeah, no, not for any character or any type of um, character traits they have. Like, you're black because your skin color is black. You know? Yeah, like. Um, I guess I did just say you're an Uncle Tommy voted for Trump, but uh, <laughs> um, but uh, I didn't see like the full like I guess picture or like whatever went viral of like Nancy Pelosi and the other Congress. You haven't seen it? Well, uh, I've seen like screenshots of it, but like, were there any POCs in that picture or like? 
I, I just don't know like the full story behind it. I don't know. I, I feel like if they had, I mean, I don't know what their PR team is like. I feel like <laughs> they had more black people. They might have told them not to go out with the Kentu cloths <laughs> and just kneel. Because the Kentu cloths, um, kind of, it's I wouldn't say it's insulting. This is kind of insulting. It's like, so you think that yeah, like, gives me a very the dire the you're wearing like something that you think that black people wear. <laughs> You're gonna, you know, all of a sudden, you know, get support. And I mean, how about we hear some plans of what you're gonna do to stop, to mitigate, you know, systemic racism? You know, and is this all these, you know, politicians, whether you know, whatever political party you subscribe to, they're all gonna do their own thing to keep to keep face, like, you know, just like Mayor uh, Bowser in D.C. doing the uh, whole Black Lives Matter mural and yeah. the uh, Black Lives Matter Plaza. Like, I think that's a, in the end of the day, like, that's a ultimately, you know, very positive move forward. But at the end of the day, you did just fund $19 million to your police department. And you're also apparently trying to build a $500 million jail. I don't know. The well, I haven't seen that sources but... on that. Is that true? Yeah, I don't know if that's true. Yeah, I don't know the logistics behind that i'll have to ask some dc residents but i do know for a fact that 19 million dollars has been put aside for the police budget um Um, yeah people are expecting real change in policy from you know this movement and you know the fact that you were able to display it and convey the message photo shoots but not you know and we, we we want we want stuff on paper pretty much we want paper that's what we want we want paper We criticize everyone, guys. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't know. I'm not described yeah. any side of We don't world. know that. Yeah, we, we really don't. <laughs> Again, we don't know anything. <laughs> we don't know anything. Um, yeah, so yeah that I, was... I wanted to bring that up, but yeah, that was a good thing. I was forgetting what we had to talk about. <laughs> yeah, ton of tangents, but to keep this, I honestly started the timer late, so right now it says 48, 49 minutes, but I started it like five minutes or so late, so. I think if we want to keep this in under an hour or so, especially considering this is the first podcast, we let's end on like something a little more positive. Coronavirus? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> oh, to point out that uh, I don't want to hear any counter counters to Black Lives Matter saying it's like, oh, I thought coronavirus was a big thing. A lot of the protesters no. are aware to that. Yeah, we know is we're choosing, and also we're seeing those of you that say, "Oh no, Corona," and then going to the bars and drinking. Yeah, yes, yeah. states like, are we, reopening we anyways. See you. We see y'all, bro. Like we don't. Doctors already. Not. Sorry. Yeah, Doctors know. are already saying like it's going to be hard to tell between is it the states reopening causing the spikes or is the protest causing the spikes? I'm sure they both will. But let's see. I mean, well, yeah, just have their priorities. Priority. We know so, who's going to get blamed. <laughs> y'all know. We all know who's going to get blamed for this. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I kind of wanted to take it in a more positive direction than that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wanted that out for yeah, Get to our last topic. I guess I just wanted to ask you guys, like, how have you guys been, like, keeping off the time and, like, during lockdown? Like, what have you guys been, I guess, doing for the most part? Like me personally, I've been binge watching the shit out of like anything I can get my hands on. Like, recently finished avatar with my family i know that's been like super popular circulating around social media and you know it's kind of refueled the conversation about that i go we've had like internal conversations about avatar like in depth like it it really is just it's it's the perfect show i think i don't think any show i don't think any episode of that show was wasted it is the perfect length it's the uh full metal alchemist brotherhood of (laughs) cartoons of what which i also think is a perfect series and yes. everyone should watch it <laughs> the good thing is you know these, these shows did not subscribe to that um that notion you know they didn't necessarily um, you know keep pumping out episodes just for the sake of um i guess you could argue for avatar maybe legend of Korra. <laughs> might, yeah might be that like unnecessary continuation but personally i don't think i don't even think legend of Korra is that bad i know it gets a lot of flack but no i agree avatar is is perfection even like the the episodes that you would consider filler like they have some kind of meaning to like they the all had value to them. that story of yeah. Rose. i thought episode, all the episodes man. were necessary in the series yeah okay uh, favorite episode from avatar uh that's rough i don't know there's so there's a there's so many. I like the one where 
There's just so many. Oh my goodness. I I don't want to answer that. <laughs> I think I, I like the, I like the episode where um Aang learned firebending from uh, oh the dancing dragon. Yeah, I don't know if that was the name of the episode, but yeah, where he learned the origin of uh firebending. That was pretty cool to see. Oh, was, oh I think it was like something. It was like fire masters or something. Like we're we're butchering the, the actual name of the episode, but I, I think just, I like the um season one. It changed the whole, you know, since it was during scene four, we kind of knew that there were, you know, them going into the Fire Nation, that there were some good firebenders at heart. Or I think that whichever book it was, but I think we we all knew that for the most part, that there were good firebenders. And this sort of like confirmed the fact that the narrative of evil or violent firebenders is just out the window because these people, you know, have built it, built it up to for, for it to be something beautiful. And it was just ultimately abused at the end of the day for violence kind of like systemic racism yeah. <laughs> not everyone contributed to it directly but a lot of them did have strong opinions on how other people should react to it um i think my favorite episode was the end of part one i really liked that whole episode like the with whole the Spirit the, and stuff. The yeah yeah and then i think my favorite scene was um uncle iroh just straight up going off on um joe zang and his men it really Zao. showed yeah Zhao. sorry <laughs> fuck <laughs> I forget their names. People gonna come for you. I know shit. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm not racist. I swear. Um, <laughs> it, it just shows me. It just. I just. I think Uncle Iroh is my favorite character because he was never like straight up Fire Nation. He was just trying to protect his nephew, and he was like fully ready to abandon the Fire Nation when he had the chance. Right, and, and when you think, <laughs> like going back to the the Fire Dance episode again. I don't know the name. But um, I think early on in that episode specifically, and hopefully people don't come up for spoiling the show. Uh, sorry, yes. <laughs> Huge yeah, spoilers. What are you doing, by the way? If you Huge spoilers. Like, sorry. Yeah. Cut this off. If you haven't done right. it. I'm so it's your fault for not watching at this point. And it's on Netflix. Yes. You know, if you have Netflix, <laughs> you had fully take advantage of the world to watch. <laughs> yeah, you have literally all the time in the world. But. Anyways, there's this one point of the episode where Zuko talks about how, you know, the dragons went extinct. And he says that Uncle Iroh was the, the last one to kill or the, yeah, the last person to like kill the last dragon. That's why he earned the name like Dragon of the West. And um, Aang replies like, oh, I thought your uncle was a good person. And Zuko said he had a complicated past. And I can just imagine watching that for the first time. You like start to doubt yourself, and you're like, "Oh man, I, 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 everyone has complicated past." So I guess that that makes sense. But then at the end of the episode, it actually reveals that Uncle Iroh is the one who protected the dragons, and he earned that name by pretending like he killed them. But in reality, there are two living dragons. You know, he helped protect in the long run, and it kind of helped you realize, "Oh, so he was a good guy towards the end." And I don't know, that was, that was just kind of. A heartfelt thing that I I really appreciated, and it just shows his his character all the way through. And it, that's not to say that like good people can have complicated pasts, but I feel like that was like a that was a good payoff to a character like Uncle Iroh, and he's just like this, you know, really good grandpa we can always kind of rely on. That's just like a spiritual guide, <laughs> right? moral compass um and i think a good thing about uncle Arrow is that he never really like he was like the one person trying to tell zuko to make up his own mind i guess he did push him away well push him away from his trying to get his his quote-unquote honor from from his dad because he knew that wasn't something that zuko wanted and he just really wanted zuko to choose his own life um i think he knew he should kill the avatar and all that yeah, Zuko has probably one of the best reduction arcs I've ever seen in any type of uh, media because mm-hmm. it was just so you know well drawn out. It was every episode felt like it was you know telling, giving you more background on who he really was and why he did what he did and you know why his heart wasn't in it. And I think a that, lot more believable than like Sasuke's. I would say now that I think about it, <laughs> just think about it. Sasuke just got it like he was evil up to the point Naruto beat his ass <laughs> and then he be and then he was like oh man i, should be I guess friend. i'm turning back to the good side <laughs> i guess he did learn that like he had to be the shadow of Kage or whatever but i'm not gonna give it to naruto right now 
I think regardless his character development and like just his personality as a whole, it doesn't compare to Zuko's. And I, I think they always framed Avatar like from the beginning. Um, they always gave the two protectors. Yeah, which I really yeah. like, which I'm noticing watching it again. Right, like they were perfect foils to each other until the point where you know they choose or Zuko chooses to actually ban, um, ban sides together, and it their <laughs> stories intersect at that point. Mm-hmm. But also leading up to that point, it's just kind of a gradual, um, like merging of their stories, yeah. and you can you can kind of tell from the beginning that Zuko is kind of this, he's likable in, in some ways, you know, he yeah. comes off as maybe like this angry teenager who only has like one goal in mind, like that's surface value. Like, you know, nothing about Zuko. You see the first episode, that's what you assume. But just going through even the first season, there are like some very redeemable traits that, that he has. And, you know, even if you haven't, you know, you're making your way through the show and <laughs> we've spoiled it for you at this point, um, you know, it's it's not at all surprising that he does end up, you know, turning to the good side, and it that complete arc just just makes so much sense, and um, you know, it's one of the best I've seen personally too, if not the best. I, I can't really think of any other redemption arcs in any form of media covers it as well as that. I kind of feel like he's kind of like uh, I wouldn't say Darth Vader. Darth Vader is pretty evil. Jump. <laughs> um, I would say like I, I think yeah so that's a good point like I remember as a kid like thinking Zuko was such a dick and I didn't really understand why he was became good but like from the beginning you could kind of tell he's conflicted like mm-hmm. like they, they like he just seems so lighthearted and like he was so obsessed with this um capturing the avatar that when they reveal it within the first season how like he's really just like some he's really still that good kid trying to fight for um his father's acknowledgement and trying to get his quote unquote honor back. Yeah. No. Really, yeah. He's just, he's just misguided. He just doesn't know. Yeah, it was just, you know, you know, this idea that he had his honor was something that he had to get back and how important it was to, you know, his culture, you know, being raised as a Fire Nation prince, how important honor is, obviously, since it's based off of, uh, you know, I think some, I think what, Whichever period of Japanese culture that the Fire Nation was based off of, um, I think it was more Chinese. I think that's what it, um, our friend was, it, was, was it, saying. Was it more Chinese? Okay. He said it was like the culture and stuff was Chinese, but the um, the imperialistic values were more Japanese. Were Japanese? So, okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I don't know if I said my favorite episode. <laughs> yeah, you can. I just pull up a list of the episodes to like jog my memory, but I think just looking through this, this might not be on a lot of people's like favorite episode list but the the episode right before they choose to invade the fire nation on like the day of black sun so like ang has a really hard time sleeping oh days before the invasion and he basically just goes on an acid trip because he like has this <laughs> like he can't sleep and I, I think that just shows really how diverse and um flexible the show is in terms of you know being able to cover all these different types of genres within without the course of the show. Like it's the per combination of like, you know, action and having it not be overbearing and unnecessary humor. So like this episode specifically is like it's entirely a comedic episode. Um but I think it just goes to show again its flexibility and it, it genuinely is like a funny show. Um and this episode just hilarious i i think everyone who can get to that point um some people may say this is a filler episode but i think just evolution into like insanity it, it's just done so well but it still like, ends on like a pretty satisfactory note but i think that's probably mine off the top of my head avatar is great haven't seen it go watch it it's really helpful these times um if you're feeling anxious about current world events um you know not even just black lives matter there's a lot of shit that's going on you don't have to only support one which i feel like people kind of get mixed up on like if you support black lives matter it doesn't mean that your life doesn't matter any less uh you know some things get more shine than others at certain times doesn't mean yours is any less support what you want to support you know just right now that's 
this is kind of what's important right now you know things change um yeah so i think uh do we have anything else to talk about i think that concludes our first episode yeah, good, good ending. Her, I think that's a good concluding note. I think as we go on, we'll we'll flesh out the process a little more. We'll try and have some guest yeah. speakers up here too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, 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 we'll start our friends. <laughs> we'll yeah. change it up. Change it up. Yeah, yeah. Right. Thank you guys I for think, Um, sorry. Can I just add like a few? Just yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I think with the whole protest and stuff, I think a good quote. You know, from the boondocks, I shared this before. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say it myself. Is like, uh, well, I'm going to look it up. <laughs> Come on, when man. <laughs> when Herb sent this to to a couple of us like the other day, like, oh, it's so simple, but yeah, it's so powerful right. at the same time. Like, it immediately like hit me. But if you feel like you're, you're very, having, uh, I, I get it real quick. I yeah, yeah, go ahead. Here. This is your so it's a, it's a scene where Huey asks his granddad, is like. What do you do when you feel when you can't do nothing, but there's nothing you can do? And Granddad just looks at him. He says, "You do what you can." So that being said, do what you can. You know, some things you can't do. You're probably not going to change the system right now. Probably not going to stop. Obviously, probably not going to stop racism in its tracks with whatever you do. But just do what you can. You know, if you don't want to protest, don't protest. If you want to protest, protest. Do what you're comfortable with. Yep. No one's asking you to die on the cross. We don't know that. Yeah. We don't know that. Um uh just to add, uh, you know, <laughs> it'd be cool if you guys could give us some ideas if you wanna, you know, if you want us to talk about lighter things, we'll talk about lighter things, which is kinda I kinda wanna do too. We're all pretty nerdy, the three of us. <laughs> Generally, we're we're gonna try and gear towards the light side of yeah. things. Light it's just, Right it now, I think sometimes. Yeah. we're living in very literally the dark very serious times, you know. But that's not to say that you can't enjoy yourselves, you know, take the little victories. And you know what Herb said, that boondocks quote really really got to me. And it's it's really such a powerful thing. You you can do what you can, you know, take the little victories and so next time we don't know that. Yep. Uh, peace.